Hey, girl. Hey, fam. You guys, we are so excited to be sharing Class Action Park again. It's iconic TCO Cannon, girl. Let me, okay, now that we're finally back in the studio, yeah. do you want to see the highway sound yes, in person? Yes, yes, this is yes. how you do it. Ready? <laughs> If this is your first time listening to Class Action Park, you'll get that in maybe like 20, 25 minutes. But if this is a a listener favorite for you, then you know exactly what I'm talking about. You guys, before we get to the show, I want to remind you we are doing a live show in Boston on July 31st. It's more than half sold out. It's at the Wilbur Theater. I'm so excited. We're covering the disappearance of Maura Murray from Oxygen Girl. And we're doing it with Lance and Tim, the podcasters in the show. Yes. And Maggie, who hosted the show. I am going to be out of my mind. It is going to be so bananas crazy fun. Yeah, Lancey and Timmy and Maggie. Yes, Lancey and Timmy and Maggie, oh my. It's a really good rhythm. It feels real nice to say it. Yeah, the Wilbur's iconic. I'm super excited, and this is a really big deal, but wait, hold on, there's more. But wait, there's more. Also, we are doing our live show in D.C. that it was scheduled for last year, the one with Rabia and Susan, where we're covering the case against Adnan Sayed. So it is sold out, and here's the deal, you guys. If you had tickets to the original show, nothing changes except the date. So the date is what? The date is September 17th. It's a Friday. Yeah, the theater is the capital turnaround. If you had tickets to the original date, your ticket still works. It's the same seat. It's the same ticket. You're still coming. I just don't want you to forget or not know that it's happening. Yes, set an alarm. September 17th. (laughs) Please come hang out with us. We're so excited. So get your tickets for Boston. If you have tickets to D.C., come see us in D.C. And now get ready for some Bananas New Jersey water park bonanza. (laughs) See you guys later. There's nothing in the world like Action Park. Baby, let me take you, baby. Action is hot. Action, Action Park. The story of Action Park is a true crime story. As you entered the park, you saw this thing. And you're like, this is real. The engineering behind this, if there was any engineering, was just nuts. Build it higher, make it faster. People control the action. Combine that with liquor and anything goes. There were no rules. For a lot of kids, that was heaven. And if you couldn't swim well, yikes. I don't think you can understand a place like Action Park if you don't understand the kind of minds that build it. A lot of people wish they could ignore rules. Gene actually did that. Nobody would give him insurance, so he created his own insurance company and then insured himself. It did bring sometimes a criminal element. I don't know how many people died at Action Park, but it wasn't just one person. Electrocuted. Decapitated. Fractured vertebrae. Impaled on the bolt. Had a heart attack. Nobody should ever be the second person to die in a wave pool. Close the wave pool. The action never girl this gets started with so i don't know i didn't write these people's names down it went by too fast i feel like you went to high school with all of them well first of all i'm not from new jersey let's get that goddamn clear (laughs) hey new jersey is fine we're not coming for new jersey we're not coming from new jersey but people love being from new jersey they love that badge of honor i'm not trying to steal that i'm not trying to act like i'm from there i didn't care about action park i didn't give a shit i went once my parents never wanted me to go i went like with (laughs) camp or something was it packed or was it like not that packed no it was packed it just felt it truly did feel like it was just run by a bunch of kids which we'll learn is exactly what happened so like that's how this all opens it like it's asking like what is action park and they just say action park was the chaos summer park with very little oversight too much alcohol whistles blowing people screaming motors running it was an energy 
You know, you knew you were jumping into the fire pit. Like to be drinking and then going in a wave pool that's filled with pee. It's just a bad idea. And also when you see the video footage of this wave pool, it is way too many people. It's like people were like shoulder to shoulder. Like I grew up going to water parks and like you would never have that many people in a wave pool. How is that fun? Answer me this. How is it fun to be (laughs) thrown into another sweaty person again, (laughs) again, again in a pool just filled with water and chemicals that probably shouldn't be mixing anyway because you have to kill all the pee? At one point, they literally describe the mixture of the liquid in the wave pool as a mixture of muddy runoff from a nearby hill, human waste, suntan lotion, and gore from open wounds. Water, sweat, runoff from like a mucky hill, human waste, and blood from other injuries people sustained in the park. I mean... Isn't that it? Thanks for listening, everybody. (laughs) But I got to say, so, you know, the whole opening is like talking about the legacy of the park. And you see Jimmy Kimmel interviewing Johnny Knoxville about their days growing up in Jersey, going to Action Park. The most dangerous theme park of all time. There was a a water slide that held one person that went in a, like in a flip. It looked like a, a bunch of kids built it because that's what it was. Every member of my family was injured in that park at some time or another. They called it Traction Park. That class was the, Action Park? Class Action Park, the lawyers called it. All I want to say is I would leave my whole family tomorrow for Johnny Knoxville. That's all. You know, you're not alone. Johnny Knoxville has that effect on people. He is, and he, like, loves the gays, and he knows that the gays love him. He's very aware. He's very aware, and he really plays into it, and I appreciate it and don't at the same time. I also really liked Jackass. I That's very really? out of character. I know, but I loved Jackass. Two things about that. One, Johnny Knoxville is, like, like a type for people who aren't really normally attracted to that type. For some reason, totally, he transcends that. Totally. And he totally. he's very much like Idris Elba in The Office as Charles Minor, where he's just like, I am aware of the effect I have on women. And Johnny Knoxville's <laughs> like, I am aware of the effect I have on people. Totally. So we start right, right out of the gate, we hear. In order to truly understand a place like Action Park, We need to go back to New York in the 1970s. In order to understand Action Park, we need to go back to New York in the 70s. Bitch, I haven't left. I I didn't even exist in New York in the 70s. Our whole life on this podcast for the last several weeks has been the fucking 70s. Wait, I got a question for you. What? Where's my club? (laughs) But like, we're learning about Wall Street and we learn about this guy named Gene... How do you say his last name? Mulva Hill. <laughs> Whenever I ask you how to say somebody's name, you always say it with the same amount of disdain, and it's great. Unless it's I'm like, favorite. oh, it's Heinz. Unless I like the person. <laughs> but Gene Mulva Hill, ugh. Gene Mulva Hill was Wall Street in the 1970s. He was Gordon Gecko before there was a Gordon Gecko. He's this mix of P.T. Barnum, Donald Trump. It's not just that he's a businessman, it's the personality that he's bringing to it too. So I have to actually read this verbatim because I don't know what any of these words mean. He ran a brokerage firm called Mayflower Securities. Right. And every time he would make a sale, he would blast a bugle through the office and crack open champagne. Who is that fun for? Everyone in the Wolf of Wall Street. It's basically the Wolf of Wall Street. Yes. Truly, because in the Wolf of Wall Street, it starts with these like penny stocks, like Leo's character had these penny stocks. And penny stocks means that you take worthless stocks and then 
you convince some poor schlub who happened to answer the phone at 345 on a Wednesday and you convince this poor schlub to buy the worthless stocks for all this money knowing full well in your dead black heart that it's worthless. Cut to me last Wednesday being like, hello, <laughs> penny stocks you say? Tell me everything. Wait, wait, what? It's tires. <laughs> what? <laughs> ceiling fans you say? Steve, the ceiling fan business is booming. Steve, we simply must invest in these ceiling fans. Jeremy says it's the way to go. Patrick, hang up. Hang hang up. I don't know who you became in that. I don't know I who know, she love- was, but you're wearing a silk robe at the time. Yeah. You're drinking a martini. Steve, Jeremy says the ceiling fans are through the roof. I'm a gay of luxury. It's a little Judy. Maybe because Eliza. That's where I am. Yeah, a Steve, you, must, a, you come quick, Steve. The ceiling Judy. fans. Jeremy says we, we must purchase them. <laughs> I love that, like, in this version of me, I can be convinced at 3.45 on a Wednesday into buying into ceiling fan stock. Like, that's a, I would buy, I'd believe it. You say it's good? What are stocks? Who cares? <laughs> so we learn that this guy, Gene, who owns this thing where they do the bugle and the champagne, he brings on his friend Robert Brennan. Enters Robert Brennan. Fraudster, penny stock king, and best friend of Gene. Brennan gets his start as a salesman at Mayflower Securities, working for Gene, and within a few years, he's the president of the company. As soon as he becomes president of the company, the company immediately gets suspended by the SEC for selling worthless securities in a bankrupt electronics company, which is just me on the other end of the phone in my day robe. What? Are you telling me this? The penny? What? I I thought they were valuable. I thought they were in. I thought they were priceless. Steve? Steve, I was duped. Steve? Steve, Steve, bring, bring, bring the car around, Steve. I've been doped. The only reason that's so funny is because... You're Janet Snakehole. That's who you are. I could never sound that elegant. That person sounds so elegant. Is elegant the word? Okay, good. Great. So thanks to this Robert Brennan guy, Gene is kicked right off of Wall Street. They have no use for him. Fuck it. So he leaves and instead of just like resigning in disgrace or just being like a human with any kind of feelings or emotions or feeling bad, like think about what kind of monster you have to be to just like knowingly steal all this money and convince people to let you steal their money and then just say, you know what? I'm going to go buy two ski resorts in Vernon, New Jersey. To which I said, New Jersey has ski resorts? Oh, yeah. We're about to learn a lot about New Jersey that I did not know, you guys. So many big, larger than life people look to Vernon and the 70s and they saw possibility. It's got all of this amazing outdoor terrain. You can ski in the winter, you can hike or bike in the summer. You would never think it was in New Jersey. For a country boy like me, it was an amazing place to grow up. It's like this cute little town. Fucking Hugh Hefner goes and opens up a Playboy club there? Yeah, because Hugh Hefner was like, oh, you know, this is going to be the real, like, happening hot spot. I want to get in on Vernon on the ground floor. Because <laughs> Gene is just like, hey, everyone, like, come up to Vernon. It's going to be a hip happening place. Hugh Hefner fucking falls for it because he's a piece of shit. <laughs> and then, like, celebrities like Tony Bennett and Wayne Newton were like, Vernon, you say? And booking all these gigs. Someone is like, Vernon was absolutely poised to be the next Orlando, even Vegas. Excuse you, don't laugh. (laughs) Vernon was poised to be the next Orlando, maybe even Vegas. Thank you so much. And I'm like, okay, like, sure, Jan. I remember the first time I watched this, when that line was said, I was like, oh, this is perfect for us. (laughs) Maybe even Vegas. Okay. 
So then Gene, like, never one to waste an opportunity. He's got his, like, two ski resorts. He becomes a pioneer in making artificial snow. Because, like me, he's like, wait, New Jersey actually ski resorts? Like, apparently the New Jersey ski season is very short. Yeah. And he, like, becomes a pioneer in making snow. Good for you, Gene. You couldn't stop there, girl. You had to go on and build an amusement park that literally kills people. Yes. So that's exactly where we are. So we meet Andrew Mulvihill, who is the Action Park CEO. But they want us to know, it's a little lower third. This interview, we see Andrew throughout from the same interview. That was recorded in 2013. So Andrew Mulvihill. For something else. For something else. (laughs) Absolutely for something else. Andrew Mulvihill is Gene's son. And so he's like taking over the family business. And he is always like, isn't my dad great? Recorded in 2013. Just remember that. (laughs) So Gene is like, hey, my shady friend, Bob Brennan, who became president of my company. Company and then suddenly got it shut down and got me kicked off Wall Street. He asks him, he's like, hey, girl, I am bored in the summer. Yeah. Can I have some money to open Action Park? And Bob is like, yes. So then we're told Action Park was one of the very first modern water parks in the country, in the world. Nobody knew what a water park really was. They had to invent it. Modern water park? What exactly would like an olden water park look like? Right, like all like, it probably would weirdly be safer if it was all made with like wood and steel as opposed to like cement and plastic. Hey fam, if you're looking for a new riveting true crime podcast to binge, let me tell you about the new hit podcast, Murder in Alliance, from Maggie Freeling and the Obsessed Network. In the tradition of podcasts like Serial, Murder in Alliance is a real-time investigative podcast uncovering the truth behind the murder of 26-year-old Yvonne Lane in Alliance, Ohio. On April Fool's Day in 1991, the young mother was murdered in her home while her children slept. The murder was brutal. Yvonne was nearly decapitated, and it was almost certainly committed by someone she knew. Her ex-boyfriend, David Thorne, was convicted of the murder and sentenced to life without parole. But he couldn't have killed her. More than 10 witnesses saw him two counties away at the exact time the murder was being committed. Now, 22 years later, Maggie and a team of private investigators, with the help of Jason Baldwin of the West Memphis Three, are on the ground in Alliance, tracking down witnesses, uncovering new evidence, and learning the secrets of the town where nearly everyone in Avant's life had a motive to kill her. And they are reporting the story in real time. Join Maggie and Jason on their quest for the truth as they seek justice for Yvonne Lane. Murder in Alliance is one of the most popular new podcasts on the internet, and you can find it wherever you get your podcasts. So, like, we sort of learn that this guy Gene gets the money from his shady friend, and in 1978, Action Park is born. start we're meeting these people from new jersey and like you know who these people are like this woman allison becker it just says park guest is she a person allison becker is shauna mulway tweep from parks and rec and and i i knew allison Allison becker probably today couldn't pick me out of a lineup i knew allison becker a hundred zillion years ago in new york with like ucb and that whole scene which is also how i know chris gethard who is also in this yeah but chris gethard is from new jersey he is also one of the best storytellers i've ever seen like there's no one better for this documentary than Chris Gethard. Yeah. He does that podcast, uh, Beautiful Anonymous. He's like an advocate for like mental health. He's very open with his mental health. Chris Gethard is awesome. Well, he tells this like great story right at the top yeah. where he's like, yeah, my parents would absolutely not let me ever go to yeah. Action Park. But then these kids moved in down the street who like were from a broken home. And their dad brought them to Action Park. 
my parents were like, fuck, someone else is offering it for free. And these kids, classic 80s, children of divorce, they don't live with their dad. And my parents knew, we can't say no. We can't say no. And he says that when he was like walking out the door, the mom and the dad just look at him like desperately like, please be smart. Like, please be really careful and use your best judgment. Like they're sending him off to war, but he was going to a water park. (laughs) So Action Park was divided into three main sections. You had Alpine Center, home of the Alpine Slide. We'll get to her in a minute. Water World, self-explanatory. And Motor World, also self-explanatory. But they decide to describe it as exhaust spewing engines and (laughs) go-karts. And what ran right through the middle of Action Park? Oh, a major highway, Route 94. A highway ran through the middle of a water park that was just feeding people booze and it was run by 14 year olds like that should stop you in your tracks a little. I know it's getting lost and everything, but the fact that a major highway like ran through Action Park should give you pause. Wait, will you do your highway impression again? It's cars going by. You guys, Jillian can do anything. She can do an impression of a highway. It's really amazing. It's not always going to be good, but I'll try it. You guys, okay, the whole reason we're here, the whole reason I wanted to do this documentary was so that we could talk about Cannonball Loop. And here we go. One of the first things you saw when you walked into Action Park was the infamous Cannonball Loop, which for years... It was, it was like a myth that the thing had ever been open. The infamous Cannonball Loop. It is so infamous that people will say things like, when you heard of the legend of Action Park, you would like show up at the gate and you'd see the Cannonball Loop and be like, oh shit, that thing is real. It's real. That means all of this is real. <laughs> right. So basically what you would do is, it was like an enclosed water slide that was a loop. Like it was just, you climb to the top of these zillion stairs, you ride yeah. down to the tube, like you would ride down to get all this momentum, and then the end would be a loop and Chris Gethard says like some lunatic clearly just was like build me a slide that's like that and then they didn't consult anybody who had a background in engineering so he was saying like again there was no regulation on this and nobody was looking at it so like you know they want to be safe so they throw test dummies down it he says they throw the test dummies down they come out dismembered missing arms missing legs missing their heads well the whole point is that you shouldn't get to the test like if you want it to be safe you consult someone who knows what they're doing you don't wait until the thing is built like who did you pay to make that that person should be arrested like who who was just like absolutely I'll take your money who made that thing i don't know i don't know so they're like they tinker with the height and the angle and the water pressure so then they're like all right well all the dummies are broken we can't use them anymore let's try with real humans real 14 year old dummies the kids <laughs> running the joint were paid a hundred dollars a pop to risk their lives in the cannonball loop and we meet all of them because they're all here so gene's just waving hundred dollar bills in the air any teenager gutsy enough to go down this thing will get one hundred bucks that's real money. I'm $100 richer because Uncle Gene, we always called him Uncle Gene, gave $100 for an employee to test the cannonball loop. And they tell us the way it worked, they would spray you. I can't even get through it. They would spray They would spray you down with a garden hose. Then you would cross your legs, cross your arms, and somebody, Chris Gethard, is like, that shit just takes you. And he's like, you're going so fast. And then he's like, you you just feel your legs 
going up in the air. Like when you get to the loop, like you feel, because this is what makes me so anxious. Like you go in the slide and it's just dark. You see nothing because it's all enclosed. And that's terrifying to me. Even watching this, I was like, I need to take a breath. Like I I really, I was like, you can feel yourself enclosed in that. So they'd go up into the loop and they'd kind of like lose contact with the slide itself. And you're just in the dark, in the air, not knowing what's (laughs) happening. Then you slam down at the top of the loop, then come underneath. And then it would like spin you out into this small, shallow, pee-ridden pool. The loop was fun, and yes, it hurt. You know, going through the loop and having your nuts get smashed on a, you know, a fiberglass tube was not fun. But then, you know, Uncle Gene's standing there and he hands you a hundred bucks. So we see, like, animation, right? And we see, like, animation of people coming out. They're all in a daze. They've got burns. Their mouths are bloody. They might as well have X's as eyes. Like, that kind of animation. (laughs) And then we see the animation of, like, how it really works, right? And the kid goes down the tube. He goes up and over and then, like, hits the ceiling. And then, like, at the top of the loop, hits the ceiling and then face plants into the top like the other top of the loop and then slides down and comes out dazed and they're saying that like after that all these kids were coming out with like lacerations and they couldn't figure out what was cutting them they couldn't figure out why these people had lacerations from a giant loop then they took the loop apart and they found teeth stuck in the padding from the first couple people that went down the slide and they had gotten their teeth knocked out and these other people were just going up and ripping into it Julian's face because these kids Your would face. just be like ricocheting in this yeah. loop of death, like ba 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 ba. They'd be like a pinball machine, and then they'd come out like all like what? Like the birds around their head, like the Tweety birds. And my, my, I just we meet so many of these employees who either did this or like allowed this, and I'm like, is there like a statute of limitations for amusement park crimes? How are they not all held accountable for this? Everything, Everything is legal in New Jersey. Jersey. They say that like if you were too little, you wouldn't get up enough momentum, and you get stuck at the bottom of the loop. Imagine that inside a tube, you can't see anything. You're stuck at the bottom of a loop. No, this is it's terrifying. Or if you were too big, you'd get stuck at the top of the loop, and they'd. Like, <laughs> Why? Just shaking her head. Like I just my main thesis is why? I know. Why? I Not know. how. I, I don't care about how. Why? Because we should never get to how. Do you see what I'm saying? It we should stop at why. Why? Yeah. Oh wait. That should stop all of this. So that's the cannonball loop. The next up on the docket, you guys. Is Cannonball Falls. Right. <laughs> which at first just looks like a normal water slide. But again, you're just careening down this dark, enclosed tunnel. It's just the use of the word careening. <laughs> How else am I supposed to describe it? Ricocheting. Careening. <laughs> plummeting to your death like I don't oh my god what is not discernible from the top is that at some point you come around a corner and there's just big black tunnel you feel like all of a sudden you're just going faster as well and I'll never forget I'm going down this water slide I enter the tunnel and you just hear people oh no ahead of you no 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 you hear ahead of you other kids being like, oh, God, no. Oh, God. Ah, ah, and you don't know what's happening. And it turns out you're just getting spit out of this slide like 10 feet in the air. Above like a pool. And then Chris is like, and then you're just like in the sky. 
And so when they when you get shot out into Cannonball Falls, the water is like freezing. And that's it. These are mountain springs. This isn't like your local water park where there are pools. These are actually like natural pools that are fed by mountain springs that are fed by glaciers. So like the water cold. is freezing cold. It's 17 feet deep and you're not expecting it. And I'm like, we don't have like a sign anywhere. Like no employee said, oh, by the way, like you're going to be shot out of this thing. But people would be disoriented. They wouldn't be able to swim. We'll get to that later. And people were always being rescued and it's like it doesn't matter what ride it always ends with people being disoriented not being able to swim and having to be rescued maybe if they were lucky if a lifeguard was even on duty which is probably not the case can we talk about the ball and the ball no it's the man and the ball and the ball you're right you're right my my bad the man and the ball and the ball they explain how this thing works I don't get it but it's like well and how we learn about this is Andrew Gene's son is basically from that from 2013 like isn't it great people from all over the place with no experience or regard whatsoever would pitch my dad all these ideas and everyone else with a little bit of sense would reject these ideas but my dad would just make them isn't that fantastic and then so then on top of that gene would be like oh like do some tinkering here like how i don't know how this is allowed and that's how we get the man and the ball and the ball the man and the ball and the ball was this giant ball that we had with a with ball bearings inside it with another ball and you would open up two doors and get in the ball to go down the mountain. It's a metal ball that was in another metal ball and then yeah. you would sit in it. But the outer metal ball had like shopping cart wheels all over it. <laughs> and then you would just fucking push it down a mountain with a human being inside it. What doesn't sound fun about that girl? I don't understand. Are you kidding me? And then it wasn't just free on the mountain, which almost would have been safer because what? this thing is massive and two gigantic metal balls. They were pushing it down this really teeny tiny track yeah. with a lot of twists and turns. And like, I'm not great at physics, but I know that that would never work. Two metal balls plus a human on this mm-hmm. little track. Like it's just going to tip over. So when we put the live man in the ball and tested to go down the mountain, the ride just fell apart and the guy ended up going down the ski slope right over 94 into the swamp down below. It was unbelievable. Remember that highway Jillian told you about? Can we get the sound effect? (laughs) The ball rolls across the highway with a person inside and down into a swamp. Like just plop. It goes like barreling across Route 9 or whatever it is. And I'm like, and that is the story of Action Park. The guy who tells us the story goes, it was unbelievable. But he doesn't say it in a way of like, like there's no sad music under it. Like he respects the journey of the man and the ball and the ball. <laughs> there's no sad music in this documentary, even when it's warranted. <laughs> oh my God. Travel. Hey fam, if you're looking for a new true crime storytelling podcast to binge, let me tell you about the new podcast from the Obsessed Network called Strange and Unexplained with Daisy Egan. Do you believe in ghosts? How about Bigfoot? Do you think it's strange and fascinating that a four-year-old in Oklahoma could look at a black and white picture of a man from the 1930s and say, that was me before, and then provide actual verifiable details of the man's life? If so, Strange and Unexplained with Daisy Egan is about to be your new favorite podcast. Daisy is a Tony Award-winning actor, writer, and true crime fanatic, but she's also a skeptic. Each week, she looks at real stories of hauntings, disappearances, UFO encounters, the Bermuda Triangle, unsolved murders and disappearances, and anything else that feels just beyond what we can easily make sense of. Daisy is your guide into these stories, but she's also like, show me the receipts. 
Strange and Unexplained with Daisy Egan is one of the most fascinating and hilarious new podcasts on the internet. So what are you waiting for? Find Strange and Unexplained with Daisy Egan wherever you get your podcasts. So then I think it's Chris who says this. The culture, the atmosphere of the action party, it's most summed up by the Tarzan swing. Everybody wanted to go on the Tarzan swing. That was like number one childhood, test your metal, prove you got some guts, go on the Tarzan swing. And so basically you grab onto a rope, swing over a pool and like jump in or let go or whatever. But the thing about it is that, you know, like there are all these long lines for all the rides. And it was also basically just like an observation deck. So it was a spectacle. So these like jerk teenagers would be taunting you the entire time. Because the thing is, everyone thinks they're like these fit people who can hold their body weight and nobody can. Everybody is me. So imagine I get on. I think it's going to be amazing. I'm going to like do this like big sweeping swing. No, yeah. you're holding onto the thing. You let go too soon because you can't hold your body weight. You smash your head into the water. The water is deep and freezing and you come up and all these people from New Jersey are calling you the P word. I was like, you fucking pussy, just do it. This is Jersey. Oh, you fucking suck. Start swimming, pussy. You know, I mean, it was just, it was, it was actually, it was a very demeaning place. How are you not awesome at this, 15-year-old? <laughs> And then, of course, like, no lifeguard, no nothing. People just, like, completely in shock in the freezing water. Everyone's screaming at them. It just doesn't make any sense. And then you hear, of course, about how, like, the girls would, like, fall off the thing and get in the water and their bikini top would come up before they did. And all the boys are screaming. I know. Like, barf. Like, everyone would cheer. Some Like, can you imagine how, like, demeaning that is? But, like, the guys would be, like, flipping people off and, like, mooning everyone. Like, oh, the worst. Just the worst. I don't understand what you don't like about water parks. <laughs> Everything. So then we get, we'll get back to the rides in a second. Cause now we're talking about how like action park felt like a strange social experiment. And now we get the details of like that. The 14 year old kids were running the joint. That's not hyperbole when we've been saying that this whole time, they're kids. You know, as the second you turn 14, you got your working papers and then you went to work at action park. You know, even the people in the lead supervisor positions, it's like, oh, you've been here for two years. Here's a radio. You're in charge. You had 16-year-old, 17-year-old kids with no prior management experience whatsoever, literally managing a third of the park. So Action Park is that place that, like, gave all the kids, like, in the town the dream summer job. Because I remember they talk about, like, at 14, you get your working papers. I did the exact same thing. I couldn't get a job fast enough. And then you go get a job at Action Park. They'll give you as many hours as you want. You're working 60 hours a week. You know, it's like all these just horny Jersey teens. We find out there's, like, a cabin at the top of one of the slides where they keep all their book bags. People would go in the shed to smoke weed and have sex. That's what they would do in that shed. Why anybody would want to have sex in there, I can't fathom because it was always like 95,000 degrees in that thing. And it always stunk like dirty backpacks, feet, weed, and just ball sweat. We were talking earlier on our Insta Live about like revisionist history. They're like, oh, those employee parties were legendary. And I'm like, first of all, it's a bunch of 16 year olds. I know it's a Jersey 16, but it's still 16. And because they'd save up all the money they found in the pools and like buy a keg and have sex in a sweaty cabin. And not like, I know this is going to make me sound so uncool, but not a parent in sight, huh? Not a responsible adult as far as the eye can see. So now we're with Jessie Palladini. She is the Vernon newspaper editor. But Vernon is a little bit of a mixed bag. There are those who embraced someone like Gene Mulvihill with open arms, and there were those who hated him because they see him as having destroyed 
our beautiful, bucolic, sleepy little town with his resorts. I feel like in one scene, she's got an axe to grind. In the next scene, she's being like lovey and nostalgic. She's real wishy-washy, yeah. Jesse. <laughs> the whole thing is like, this is all very one-sided. It's like the kids who loved it. But really, it's a bunch of chaos. You know, like people are coming from all over town to embrace this chaotic land of no rules. It's like everyone's driving to Florida. So... <laughs> There's this audio. We have like these recorded conversations between Jesse the reporter and Gene Mulvihill. And they're as bad as like the mob tapes that we have in Fear City. You can barely understand anybody. Gene is like sniffling and mumbling. He sounds like he's a mouthful of marbles. Like, I don't really understand what's happening. Gene's like, I'm going to start a new town. We'll call it, uh... And Jesse's like, Mulvihillville. Why don't they make a new town? What? Let's do our line down 515, and that will be us. That'll be uh, the new the new town called Great Mulvihillville. Oh, we'll call it Great Court. Yeah, people like that. to call it Mulvihillville. If Vernon goes its way, we go our way. And Gene's like, no, 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 we're going to call it Great Gorge. And Jesse's like, yeah, yeah, but what about Mulvihillville? And Gene totally, completely ignores Jesse and her little bit, completely ignores her and is yammering about taking over the town. But she's like, but it's because your name is Mulvihill, and then we'll call it Mulvihillville. It'll be a whole thing. And just just, just write me down as a co-creator of that idea, right. would you? And Gene's like, what? Like, Gene's an idiot. Right, Joe. So in my notes, I just have anyway. And we're back to the Action Park employees saying about how cool Gene was and then suddenly it's like Gene was so cool we called him Uncle Gene oh my god everything's amazing and then we just get I think he was a piece of shit I think he was a piece of shit and I'm like hey girl (laughs) hi yeah we'll get back to her later oh my god yeah so now we learn that Gene didn't believe in the concept of insurance great so he's the one who's like inventing all these rides and throwing like 14 year olds down them for a hundred dollars he wants to be able to make all the shit and have none of the consequences and the thing is you could be this like carefree guy or whatever but like you can't run an amusement park or whatever you want to call action park without having insurance like just in any way and in fact it's one of the terms of his lease so he's like I don't believe in that shit whatever so he and his stupid friend Bob or whoever the guy the shady guy whatever whatever, they're like we'll just make a fake insurance company he created his own fake insurance company based in the Cayman Islands its name the very real and very legitimate sounding London and World Assurance This company's documents were very, very homemade. They looked like they were ginned up in a basement. The letterhead was not official. Might as well have been on napkins. It was a fake insurance company. It became a way to launder money. Like, he was just, you know. Like, and this is the thing that's so infuriating, because when bullies win, it makes me so fucking mad. totally. So he gets indicted on all these counts of money laundering and basically stealing and insurance fraud and blah, 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 blah. He refuses to pay. He refuses to testify. And instead of, like, actually making this fucking guy take responsibility for the land that he's renting and the people who he's, like, supposed to be taken care of at his facilities, just to get him out... Out of their hair, the state of New Jersey sells him the land for a song. And then everyone is off his back. And the bully wins and it makes me crazy. Right, because now he owns the land and he doesn't have to care about insurance or anyone's well-being or being like a decent person. Right. Like now he can do whatever he wants. So the park continues to expand and grow. The shady guy Bob is there cha-ching cha-ching with all the money he needs. A million percent. So now we're at Cliff Dive and this is my story. A lot of Gene's ride ideas took inspiration from natural settings and environments that he grew up playing in. His thinking was, if kids couldn't make it to real nature, he'd create the next best thing. How else to explain an amusement park that lets six-year-olds jump off a 20-foot cliff? 
say this cliff dive ride looks gorgeous. It's like yeah. this natural spring at the bottom of this cliff. It's 17 feet deep. Right. It's like an actual cliff dive and it looks beautiful. It looks very much like the Tarzan jump where yes. you're like on the rope, only yeah. it's just up to you to jump. And they let kids as young as six do it. Six. My daughter is six. Yeah, I was not six, but I, I'm sure I acted six at the time. So it's like once you're there, it all becomes very real. Totally. And the, the line is so long and you're kind of there and you're just going around in circles. So when they were talking about the Tarzan jump about everybody screaming at you, that is my memory of Action Park. Yeah. So I was terrified. Like I did it because everyone was screaming oh at my me. God. Like I can hear them now screaming at me. Yeah. I don't know why I was up there to be yelled at in the first place, to be honest with you. And so you go. The water's freezing. I will remember that forever. I can feel it in my bones this minute, which is nice because no AC is on. But so the thing about cliff dive is that like kids were swimming in the water below you, 17 feet below. You could be minding your own business and somebody could land right on top of you without any warning. So it was not actually a chill out area at all. You could do it safely, but people didn't. It was just packed with kids. Then you're getting pressure from everyone behind you. You have to jump. So you're like, shit, 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 you jump. Hopefully you don't land on someone. I didn't, thank God. Uh, but like kids would slip and fall and not be ready, not know how to swim. They dislocate their shoulder because yeah. they'd be jumping from 20 feet. Yeah, and not crossing their arms, like putting them out like Superman style. I for sure didn't cross. I don't know. I just, I think just <laughs> prayed to whoever was up there and said, God, just let me get home. I miss my dog. I don't want to be here it was traumatizing to me i have to tell you i mean i know we're trying like we don't have to cover every ride but can we talk about colorado river ride well here's the guy i mentioned earlier who i hated oh yeah because there would be these like roaring springs and they just wanted it to feel like a like whitewater rafting and they said when gene first had his way and did it the first time the dummy that they sent died like however you can tell that a dummy died and so they're like yeah we gotta slow that shit down gene so he's like okay fine uh, we'll just make it a class four stupid rules I'm like, you're, do you hear yourself? I know. Uh, you can have fun and still get insurance so kids don't die, you asshole. Like, stop. That's the happy medium I want. How about that? You can have a lot of fun and still be responsible and not an asshole. Yeah. All right, I'll take it. I'll take it. So the thing is, it's those big circular tubes, right? Like four or five people go in these tubes at once. So we're seeing again, like the traffic jam. Like someone tells us, those ride attendants, they spent their time twisting their whistles and then it's just going, go, go, go. And a lot of the time, those tubes would bunch up. People were crashing into each other, slamming on top of each other. One person would be in the water. The next person coming down would then dunk the next person and go under. So there's a guy who I just, I hate this so much, out of his tube. Of course. Standing in the middle of all the other tubes, like holding court in the corner <laughs> where all the tubes are supposed to go. And I am like, that is fucking peak douche jersey. Like, that is the worst kind. It, it's that and also like the shady guys who were totally there to pick up underage girls. Oh, totally, totally. But this was the guy who was like, hey, this is my ride now. Hey, oh, oh. And they also say that like this ride, this like Colorado Lazy River ride was where they would have the most fights because like people didn't like tubes bumping into each other. Meanwhile, we learn that this thing was like so poorly designed. It was literally not designed by anybody who, who has any knowledge of how to make a ride. So it like literally wouldn't work and you'd get stuck and then people would get out of their tubes and just start fist fighting. Right. Can you imagine? Is there anything more Jersey fist fighting on the lazy river? 
<laughs> Jersey, we love you. I've been to beautiful parts of New Jersey. Absolutely. But Action Park is not that beautiful part you've been to. I think we've established that. And then we also hear just real quick that they would write CFS on your wristband that stood for can't fucking swim. If someone had CFS on their wristband, that means they probably had gotten saved already at some point in the day. And it was a warning to other people. Like, if CFS was on your wristband and you knew you couldn't swim, what the hell are you doing jumping off a 20-foot cliff into a deep pool of water? In case it's not clear, they were rescued at least once. Right. <laughs> and not said, like, you know, right. little Timmy, you have to go home now. Where's yeah. your mother, your guardian? It's just like, all right, well, here he goes on to Colorado River. Good luck right. to you, kid. <laughs> Happy trails. Like, what are you talking about? So one of our talking heads is this lifeguard who worked there for forever. And she's telling us, like, anyone who worked at Action Park knew Waterworld was for the daytime. And then at some point around four or five o'clock, the adults would have a little fun in the bar area. And then they'd make their way over to Motor World. For the evening festivities, you would go across the highway to the motorcade place. The motor world, so people could drink right. and drive. That's what's happening. They would get hammered, and right at 5 o'clock, like the, like the bell, the working bell, oh, it's 5 o'clock, let's get hammered and drive, like, actual, real yes. motorboats and real, like, cars. And the boats would flip over. You guys, this marshland lake that they were driving the boats in was full of snakes. Water-fucking snakes. Like, four-foot black black snakes that of course you couldn't see like water moccasins so people would be like "Ah, fucking whatever and like a motorboat would be like driving over the top of another motorboat yes and so then like you jump out and then the snakes would be there and you jump back in and they're like it's not the ride attendant's fault you know you can't always tell if someone's been drinking and if you didn't stink like booze they would never know it's not the 14 year old ride attendant's fault you can't tell if someone's been drinking first of all yes you can second can the 14 year olds not run at least the part where you're getting behind the wheel <laughs> like that's what i'm saying like there's like all fun no rules and then there's just like yeah come on guys and of course like you know how all those go-kart rides have like a speed limit like they have like an actual built-in speed limit the employees learned how to disable that and then these like go-kart cars would go 60 miles an hour remember that highway that we talked about <laughs> <laughs> Good mic work, GP. Thanks. These 14-year-olds would drive the go-karts on the highway. Like, isn't that charming and fun? No. No. <laughs> like, all along, we're hearing that people died. People died. People died. And, like, there's no information on it. And then all of a sudden, we are confronted with it. Yeah, because we learn about this thing called the kayak experience. And this is where the timeline gets really murky in the documentary itself. Yeah. Because we're learning about the kayak experience. And we learn... There were underwater fans that would help pushed the water and uh, created rapids like you were, you were kayaking. And somebody flipped out of one of their kayaks and one of these, these fans short-circuited and they, they either touched it or were close enough to it and they, they got electrocuted. So that's the first one that we learn about. Then we meet Elizabeth Larson. And if you remember her from earlier, when like the townspeople were describing what they thought of Jean, she was the one that was like, I think he was a piece of shit. I want to hear more from her. And joke's on me because this is not a good story. Yeah. So we're in her living room and she's an older woman. And we learn about her firstborn son named George. And on July 8th, 1980, he was supposed to be working with his dad. But instead, he wanted to go to Action Park. You know, he looks like he's like in his late teens. 16, 17 years old. His mom lends him the money and he goes on the alpine slide. And he's going down the hillside and the cart brake, I don't believe, was working. 
and he went off the track and on and flipping down the hillside and into some rocks and hit his head on rocks. This is so painful. And Esther, his mom, tells us the whole story. And yeah. I'm listening to her, but I'm like, 1980. 1980, yeah. 1980. Like, that's where the timeline, I'm like, we were just having all these kooky, zany stories, but someone died in 1980. And remember, the park opened in 78. So, like, this happened early. The park doesn't close until 96. Right. This happened in year two, you guys. This was year right. two. And so, you know, Esther, the reason why she thinks Jean is a piece of shit, I mean, she's right, you know, she could just watch Class Action Park and know, but we learned that Jean never called the family, never called the hospital, like, never reached out for yeah. any reason at all. He was just a shady piece of shit. And not only that, but, like, we learned early on that he had fake insurance, and so after this kid brutally dies in the park, the family gets nothing for it, and the mom Mom tells us that we never even got to go to court because we were told by our attorney that a teenager isn't worth much money. He's a liability to the family and you can't expect to settle from very much money. We eventually settled for 100000 They end up settling for $100,000 for this kid's life. And then, like, the lying, the way that, like, they deal with this with the PR is that the spokesperson for the park says that George worked for the park and that this happened after hours and it was raining. And they blame it on the rock. Right, exactly. It was yeah. all a lie. Like, he didn't work for the park. It wasn't at night and it wasn't raining. It was broad daylight. And we just learned that, like, he's got this PR machine. The town is beholden to him because he's created this park that employs literally hundreds of people. Right. And Jesse, the reporter, is telling us that, like... There were elected officials that he bought homes for, that there are local town officials, chairpersons of our planning boards, our zoning boards, who had um, free memberships to the spa, free season passes, and that type of thing. It's not always about being on the payroll. So this all basically gets swept under the rug because this town is beholden to this man and this, like, family lost their firstborn kid. Like, it's so terrible. Right. And so it's not just George Larson in 1980 that everyone turned a blind eye to. Then in 1982, 15-year-old George Lopez dies in the wave pool. A week after that, 27-year-old Jeffrey Nathan was electrocuted in the kayak simulator that we talked about earlier. Yep. 1984, Donald DePass died in the Roaring Springs area that we talked about, everyone having all those fights. And in 1987, Gregory Grandchamps died in the wave pool. Two people died in the wave pool and what? One, two, three, four, five people died at Action Park. Like, I thought this was a little disjointed of the documentary because yeah. it seems like it's all fun and games and like, it's all scrappy and silly in New Jersey and then it's like, yeah. the timeline of this is super fucked up. Yeah, it's really crazy. But again, like, they don't shut the park down because the town is beholden to the sky. Like, you know, earlier in the documentary, we got this whole thing about how the town didn't want him and it was creating a circus, but now, all these years in, they're beholden to him, and basically Gene is never held accountable for any of this, and he's got that fake fucking insurance company, so none of these families get any money for this. He literally gets away with murder. It's infuriating. And yeah. the bully wins. It's infuriating. I know. I know. And so, you know, by like the mid-90s, the times were changing. Like, these weren't the wild, wild west of the 80s anymore. <laughs> Not only are times changing, but like his cash cow, his friend Bob Brennan, he gets sent to jail. So there's no more money. And basically the park closes in 1996. But now it's reopened as Mountain Creek. And one of the ex-employees of Action Park, yeah. who's one of our talking heads, now owns Mountain Creek. I know. <laughs> He's like, screw you, Gene. I'm going to do it my way. But like even the, even the documentary describes it as just another boring run of the mill, like local water park. And Joe's like, great. I'm not in prison. No one's coming for me. No one's been <laughs> murdered. I'll take boring. You assholes. <laughs> 
boring schmoring. I can go. I can look myself in the mirror and go to sleep at night. What about that? I know. I want to go, girl. We should do a field trip to Action Park when the world goes back to normal. I'm okay. Thanks. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> you guys thank you so much for listening to our our action our class action park episode yeah we figured it's summertime yeah. i hear people like this time of year totally. uh and theme parks i don't like either of those things but people do so i'm so glad i hope you enjoyed it i hope you're having i hope you stayed safe you didn't like get on some slide that's gonna kill you or no, something yeah. you're okay okay you guys just remember come see us live in boston july 31st with lance and maggie and tim we are doing the disappearance of maura murray it's gonna be crazy if you had tickets to our original boston date you've been refunded. Right. Now get your ticket for the new date. Right. And then our DC show, it's a little bit different, right? Yes. So it's September 17th. If you had tickets yep. already, you're all good. Yeah. Same ticket, same seat location, same everything. Just come. Yeah. 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 Just don't forget, set, set an alarm, like yeah. I said earlier. And also like maybe people couldn't come, so yes. there might still be tickets. Like you can yeah. absolutely check it out if people had to, I don't know, cancel for whatever reason, but please come September 17th. Yeah. Keep, if you're looking for tickets to the show, keep checking back because if anybody cancels from the original date, we will make those tickets available. And we love you. Uh, yeah, the bottom line is just come out and see us. And set an alarm. I have notes and alarms I know for out everything. the wazoo. So don't worry about it. Don't feel bad. Just do it. All right. We love you guys. Bye. Bye. She's high kicking her way down 8th Avenue. Totally. <laughs> and 54th Street. Where's my club? It's not here, Liza, girl. It's not here. No, girl. It's gone, girl. <laughs> Sorry. A bubble just got caught in my throat for myself. <laughs> I sometimes think about the fact that Daisy's going to find this, like, my body of work. Like, I imagine, like, 10 years after my death, she's going to sit down and be like, I'm going to listen to every episode of True Crime Obsessed. She's going to be like, who is that woman? I mean, I know who Aunt Jillian is. Who's that other woman? I watch everything through my eyes because any, and I'm like, I have that. Like, you guys, breaking news. We just learned that Jillian uses her eyes for watching. I do. Everyone I mean, I, look, I watch them with my hands through my fingers, I bet. My finger, my hands over my eyes. Sorry. <laughs> Breaking news. I'm an idiot. Wait, the guy in the blue Speedo, he's from Alice in Chains? Yeah. Oh, do you guys hear how old I sound? I'm like, that's Alice in Chains? <laughs> I can't believe you know who Alice in Chains is. You didn't know who Outcast was. So then we meet Jason Scott, who's an archivist, and his lower third should say, not Mandy Patinkin dressed as a circus ringmaster, that guy from what? Moulin Rouge or whatever. <laughs> I literally have, this queen is wearing a top hat and a fucking ringmaster coat. What is he wearing? He should book gigs as a Mandy Patinkin impersonator. <laughs> Nobody listening to this has any idea who that is. You guys, he's that guy from Homeland. That's what you'll know him from. <laughs> uh, he's 88 keys from Dick Tracy, girl. How dare you? My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. And like... Broadway and the Broadway. Yeah, he's my Mandy from Evita, but like yeah. no one's gonna know what that is. He's George Surratt, you guys. Okay, for the people who know about this, this guy looks exactly <laughs> like Mandy Patinkin dressed as one of those circus people. What a circus, so what a show. The reason that I think I liked Jackass so much is because it was really like a bunch of hot bros getting mostly naked and doing kind of gay stuff together. Oh, it's very it was very gay. Um Yeah, it was so gay. <laughs> 